Hello, everyone, and welcome to Speaking with Joy, a podcast to fill your soul, challenge your mind, and make you brave. I'm your host, Joy Clarkson, and an evangelist for all things good, true, and beautiful. So make yourself a cup of tea, find somewhere comfortable, and let's dive in to this week's episode. The heart has its reasons, which reason knows nothing of. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Reading with Joy, our summer book club, where we are going through the wonderful and delightful young adult novel, A Wrinkle in Time. This has been so fun um, because this summer I decided that, unlike in past summers where I mostly did the book clubs on my own, book clubs should be about talking about books that you love with other people that love books and just pointing out things that you love about that. So in honor of that, I've been inviting a friend every week onto the podcast to discuss a chapter of Wrinkle in Time with me. And today I have the lovely Haley Stewart. Welcome, Haley. Thanks so much for having me, Joy. I've been looking forward to this. I actually listened to you and your mom chat about the first chapter yesterday to get pumped up about today. Um, so that was delightful. Oh, that's so fun. When did you first read this book? As a child, I'm not sure how old, but I got really into all of her novels. Like I read like the whole Time series and then a lot of the Austin books. See, I haven't read those. Are they worth diving into at some point? Definitely worth diving into. I'm trying to think which ones I liked the best. I remember trying to think I now I'm getting them mixed up which one are Murray books and which one are Austin books Mm -hmm. but I know I read like Troubling a Star Mm -hmm. and um Endless Ring of Light Mm -hmm. and some other ones and I remember really really enjoying all of them I think the thing one of the things I love about Madeline Lingle is that her books are very readable like they're very deep but I've had a lot of people already message me and be like I just finished Wrinkle in Time over the weekend because it's just very Um, easy and delightful and engrossing while also being kind of deep and interesting and having lots of things to she's an easy author to dive into and then find yourself tearing through all of her books yeah it's true and I find a lot of variety in her books stylistically Mm -hmm. like the structure of her books even within the time series Mm -hmm. are really interesting like Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember the third one there's a lot of going back in time Mm -hmm. to learn about you know, interconnected events. Yeah. And it's it's just, it's neat. But they feel, have a very different feel even if they're the same characters. So yeah. I love her and I've been reading, I finished A Circle of Quiet a couple of months yes. ago. Mm. And I just feel like she's a kindred spirit. Yes. And I really like connected with her. Like she talks about the tired 30s when she <laughs> would like fall asleep. She's raising kids and she'd like fall asleep at her typewriter like still trying to work and like finding her passion in that but also like she's so tired because she's a full-time parent and so I felt just like very simpatico with Madeline Single and I love how she just embraces all of it yes like she's all in for all of it yeah and um she seems very much herself in the way that she parents and the way that she writes yes 
And so I just found so much joy in her journals. I know. I, I felt that way about reading through um, the Crosswicks journals. It was just like having a friend, someone who was older, but who I could really relate to and hearing her talk about, like you said, mothering and writing, but also in some of her younger years and her insecurities and, um, and kind of how she would write about how she would talk to her younger self as she was stumbling through love or trying to own her voice in writing. She just feels so, she feels so kindred. She feels so, and I think also I talked about this last time, but she was one of the few writers who I'd read and I'd think, I think I'd really like to have a life like yours. You know what I mean? Like I, there's something really compelling about, about how she wrote, but also how she loved and um, how kind of honest she was about all of it, even the tiredness and the not liking dishes. That's a very relatable thing about her is how much she doesn't like dishes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like <laughs> she is very self-aware Yeah. in like, not necessarily a self-deprecating way, but mm-hmm. just like she's aware of who she is. Mm-hmm. She sees her flaws and she can be humble about them. Yeah. But doesn't like hate herself for being flawed. Yeah. She's just like, here I am and I feel insecure sometimes and I worry that no one's ever going to publish this book and yeah. I'm never going to be understood I and know. I'm exhausted and I hate the dishes <laughs> and I live in this old house and I love it. And yeah. I just, I, yeah, I, 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 I think that... She's lovely, and I kept thinking, I wish I could hang out with her, and I'm so sad that I, I can't. But I, I have more journals to read, and I'm going to start, um, I think it's called Walking on Water. She oh, talks about gonna writing it. in faith, so I'm excited about that. Yeah. So I have some more of her books on to your dive shelf. into. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah and I were just talking the other day. Sarah almost did, at one point, a trip in the earlier 2000s, and she thought about dropping by and... There, I don't know if there's a conference or something. And she's always been like, oh, I'm so sad I didn't get to meet Madeline Lingle while she was alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if uh, last week on the discussion posts, I asked, why is Mrs. Murray so good at handling all the different people in her life? Like, she just kind of takes Meg's angst and Mrs. What's-It's strangeness and Charles Wallace's intelligence. She just kind of takes them all. And several people said in the comments, they were like, well, I think she does that because she's a scientist. And scientists, their role is to, like, encounter the mysteries of the world and be comfortable with ambiguity and just to study it and enjoy it and and be kind of students of both the world but then also her children and the people she loves. And I feel like that's kind of how Madeline Lingle writes about herself. Like, she, she just kind of takes herself as this enigma in the world that can be observed and you know and she's she's honest about it but it's not it's it's without idealizing or deprecating it's just kind of what it is also one of the things I loved if you read uh Walking on Water y'all tell me how you like it that was one of the first books I read where I about writing where an author said no I absolutely care how many books that I sell because you know there's always this sense that you're supposed to be kind of like I don't care if anyone reads it's just an art just I don't look art. at the numbers I just yeah. write for writing and she was like no I write because I want people to enjoy my stories and I don't know if they're good stories unless people enjoy them and that was just such a I think it's more humble than anything like she's not she's she's yeah. just being honest and anyway love Mama mm-hmm. Lingle but I should give an introduction quickly to you um you've been on our on the podcast several times you were on one of my escape casts, but for everyone who may not have heard that, tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. And sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm Haley. I live in Central Texas. I have four kids, ages one through 11, um, one boy and three girls. 
I'm married to Daniel. He makes whiskey for a living and keeps bees and keeps us fed. He's the cook in the family. Uh, tonight I'm making pizza and I make really good pizza and I make really good shepherd's pie. Mm. But those are the only two things that are like, oh, wow, this is really good. Otherwise, it's like, oh, mom's cooking tonight. Oh, okay. <laughs> shepherd's um, pie and pizza is a pretty good staple, though. Yeah, that's my my repertoire. It's (laughs) more more cold weather foods, I guess. Um, So yeah, I'm a writer and I have a podcast called Fountains of Carrots. And I have a blog called Carrots for Micklemas, which I'm kind of neglecting lately because of some upcoming book projects. Mm. Um, And... Yeah, I've been hiding in my attic a lot (laughs) over the past three months because that was the only quiet place I could do anything. But now it's really hot because we live in Texas and the attic is not set up to be a writing office. It's like set up for kayaking paddles and, you know, boxes of old clothes. So, um, yeah, we're just kind of hanging out during the pandemic watching more movies than I usually let the kids watch, <laughs> making cinnamon rolls, but, mm. you know, I feel like it hasn't been as terrible as I would have thought three months ago had someone said, you're basically going to be at your house for three months <laughs> oh my with goodness. all of your children and no breaks. So I know. Yeah, that's us. It's crazy to think the last time we talked was like, I think the first week it, that we had locked down in the UK, and now we're all months and months into it and of course I'm back in Colorado um, but yeah it's crazy to see how life has changed can I ask you are they secret um, what are the book projects so I can't tell you everything because nothing is officially under contract Okay. Um, but one is actually a fiction so I've never written fiction before oh. but it's a little children's book and basically it's about an order of mouse nuns who live underneath the floorboards of G.K. Chesterton's house Uh, and they solve a crime because they were inspired (laughs) by the Father Brown stories. They run a little school. Oh my gosh. That's so so fun. I think you had just had that idea. I think you had just had that idea when we talked last time. Maybe so. I did a ton of work on it in the attic. So <laughs> I've like sent it off, but um, nothing's under contract yet. So we'll see if, oh, if well, anyone bites. But it was very fun and escapist in a good way. Yeah. And then the other book is a nonfiction that's kind of about books. Mm-hmm. So um, about good. books and about what classic literature can teach us about romance and Mm. then what the ideal romance can teach us about our relationship to the divine love that sounds so lovely it's been really fun to work on but it's only in like the beginning it's early days early early days days oh well i will cross my fingers and um be excited (laughs) for that to come out eventually Oh my goodness. Well, uh, it's appropriate that someone writing a book on books is going to talk with me about books today. So I guess we should dive into this week's chapter of Wrinkle in Time. I usually try to do like a little flyover summary of everything that happens in the chapter. And then we can just chat about the things that we liked or the things we noticed. Um, Okay, so what happens in this chapter? Meg wakes up from her her moody evening and the strangeness and everyone I love this everyone's thrown off because Mrs. Murray has like 
expressed a non-positive emotion. <laughs> um, my mom always says that uh, that the mom of the house is kind of like the barometer of the family. And I, I love how she just chose that, that everyone's kind of freaked out that Mrs. Murray, the unsinkable Mrs. Murray, the imperturbable <laughs> Mrs. Murray, has shown unsurety about something. Um, so then, and interrupt me if I don't, if I forget something. Then she goes to school. She says one rude thing about not about not caring about the exports of Nicaragua. Which you can blame her, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. I feel you, Meg. Yeah, I do. And also, you were saying before we started, like, that, like, that wasn't that bad. Does, does she really deserve to be sent to the principal's office for this? So then she goes to the principal's office. The principal is um, just the worst, really. Um, he, I think it's his, like, tone, too. It's yeah. not just that he's asking these intrusive questions and being really horrible to her about this family crisis. But the way he's talking makes it sound like he thinks he's, like, God's gift to children with behavioral issues who are going through a family crisis. And like, he's really like, and if you just helping her out, he's so condescending and it's so frustrating. Yes. And again, uh, Mrs. Murray as the barometer of the family. I love when Meg is like, my mother's a scientist. When she tells me that my father isn't coming home, I'll believe her. Um, So Mrs. Murray again for the win. Um, And then, so she has this happen. She flies home in a bad mood she comes home Charles Wallace is like we should go out to the woods and she's like I'm hungry and I want a snack um I've been listening (laughs) (laughs) relatable (laughs) very relatable and Meg is a little hangry which as a person who is often hangry I very much identified with um also I've been listening I have the book at home but I've been also listening to the audiobook where Madeline Lingle actually reads it herself and there's something so fun about hearing how she articulates Meg's frustration. I to that. I feel like Meg's voice is so <laughs> dramatic. Like, it's so over the top every, the way Madeline Lingle reads it. Like, yes. every line she says is just like, oh! I know, and it's always the sigh. And um, so that's been really, really funny. But Charles Wallace, of course, is a very considerate brother. So he's packed her a snack, which is just very wise. Um and then they run into Calvin in the woods. Also, I've always wondered why she named him Calvin. Like, is he named for Calvin? Yeah, Calvin? I don't know. Because he doesn't seem like a very Calvin character. No, that's a good question. I feel like it just sounds like kind of a, not like it's a popular name as in there's lots of Calvins, but like it's a popular boy's name. Yeah. Like, like a yeah, good old American. Calvin O'Keefe on the basketball team. Yeah. Calvin O'Keefe, number yeah. 27 or whatever. Yeah. You know, I, it sounds like that kid who kind of blends in yeah. in a positive way. Yes. You know, like it just has that kind of ring yeah, to it. it just has there's like, nothing really remarkable about the name. It sounds like I have a. You have no immediate family members who have this name, but it sounds like a modern day because it's in the fifties, like Ryan or something. You know what I mean? Like it's just kind of a a name that guys would have. Um, yeah, and Calvin. It's a boys' boys' name. Yeah, it's a boys' boys' name. And what is what is Calvin about? He's he's on the basketball team. He's clever. I love how he's just like, "How old are you? Fourteen. Where are you in school? I'm a junior. Like, is he going to graduate when he's?" 15? 15. Maybe it's at the beginning of... No, but that is... That does seem weird. That seems really young. Yeah, I know. Um, and you just pass over it in the book. It's just kind of like, oh. Yeah. 
I never even noticed that. And I just read this yesterday. But I think it's interesting how Meg has all these, all these ways to describe him to Charles Wallace Uh and Calvin kind of is irritated by the things that she's saying Mm. because it's, it's like, he feels like, but you haven't seen me Mm. like, sure. Yeah. I'm tall. I'm on the basketball team, whatever. Yeah. But that's not me. Like, that isn't who I am. You haven't yeah. gotten to the real me yet. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely this desire to be known yeah. for not just the this he does. image. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's almost like Meg has just labeled him as this sort of person and, and a sort left of person it she, at that. Yeah. And a sort of person she couldn't relate to kind of. Mm-hmm. And which is funny because I feel like Meg feels that other people do that to her. Um, but it's kind of like with Mrs. Wetsit. She just kind of has uh-huh. a little bit of a suspicion of people, I think. Um, which is why I love Meg, because she's just so... She is truly grumpy and desires to be seen and doesn't know how to be seen. And she's just a truly teenage character. I just remember feeling a lot of angst in teenagehood and, and not... It'd be kind of like, I don't know how to not feel this way. And I feel like that's <laughs> Meg. Um, okay, so quick summary. So then they go to the woods. Uh, they see... They meet Mrs. Who, who, of course, quotes um, everything she says, she says, end quote. Um, So the opening passage I read, of course, was from Pascal. And I love Mrs. Who. I identify very much with Mrs. Who because I feel like anyone who's a reader, at some point, you just kind of like all the books that you've read integrate themselves into yourself. And you're like, is it me speaking? Is it a book that I liked? Who knows? (laughs) Um... So, yes, so those are all the happenings of this chapter. And there there seems to be something, they're sent home, and Calvin and them are all sent back. There seems to be something that we're waiting to have happen um, that will involve the Mrs. Who's and What's It's and everything. But we don't know what it will be. So that's the general outline. What were things that stuck out to you, Haley? Well, as you were just saying that, Joy, we both recently read Once Upon a River. Yes. And in that book, there's a similar theme of there's all these different characters going about their lives and then they all get this strong sense of something's about to yes. happen. Mm-hmm. And, and reading it, you're kind of like, is that a real thing? Like, do people yeah. really experience this kind of brain melding where they're all like, yeah. I am feeling it too. A communal and awareness. Yeah. A communal awareness. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I think there is, there are times in your life where you maybe meet someone Mm -hmm. and just have a sense about them. Mm -hmm. Like this is a kindred spirit or we understand each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that maybe that's part of what's going on is Calvin is an unexpected kindred spirit to Charles Wallace and Meg. And he understands Charles in a way that Meg doesn't. And he understands Meg in ways maybe Charles doesn't. Mm. Yes. And adds this whole new layer to the to the the relationship between the siblings. Yeah, I love that, and I think so. I love Calvin's character is really interesting and kind of beautiful to me because he's almost kind of the heart character in some ways, um, and he's kind he's a of, bit of the Ron Weasley. He of is. The- he is <laughs> like he's very loyal feeling oriented and kind of intuitive and usually you would assign that I feel or often I feel like in books that's played by a by a female character because it's more the kind of I don't know he seems less cerebral in some ways he's kind of more just 
has this intuitive relationship to everyone. But I really like Kelvin. And you were saying something about kind of his... So I think he doesn't feel seen by Meg, but I think he's also able to see other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, that's something I find interesting about his character. That's a good point. And, and that he... Meg has seen him as this person who has it easy at school. Yeah. But he is very open... Yeah. Right when he is meeting them, that he doesn't have it easy at home. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. And isn't that that most heartbreaking but also happy line when he go when he feels like he's going home, when he goes back mm-hmm. with them? He says, I've never been to your house, but I feel like I'm going home. Yes. And, yeah. And that's so sad and happy all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that. I love how he just jumps into their home life. Mm-hmm. And you will see that in the next chapter, Mrs. Murray kind of embracing him like she does Mrs. Who jumping yes. in. Um, but it's just lovely. But we were chatting just mm-hmm. a few minutes ago, and I was saying that the very end reminds me of Little Women, where Laurie Lawrence walks in helping Meg with her sprained ankle <laughs> and is tossed into the chaos of the March's home. And immediately feels like this is the home I've been missing. Mm. And and maybe that's part of what he sees in this relationship. Like, I think there's certain people that feel like home. Mm-hmm. Like, when I met my husband, we were teenagers. Like, I was 15 mm. when I met him. Wow. I hardly I hardly knew anything about him. Yeah. But he felt like home. Mm. You know, and I think that they're, they have that sense because he feels at home with them that he knows Mrs. Murray's going to be great. This whole this whole thing is going to be great. I've finally found the people who feel like home. Yeah. I I I think that's beautiful. And it kind of gets back to that growing sense of the chapter of there being intuitive connectedness and and being able to know things that we can't know. And um I totally Perhaps it's superstitious. Perhaps it's faith. I totally believe that things like that can happen. You can kind of just like be aware of someone being important to you before you even know them or having like a sense um, that something's going to happen or just like being very connected with people you love. I remember um, a while back before I started my PhD, because I'm a weird person, I was like, I should read a book on physics before (laughs) I start my PhD because I definitely won't have time to do that. Uh, during my PhD. I need to cross this off my list now. Yeah, I know. Well, I was also like genuinely curious about physics and I was like, huh, probably won't be able to do that while doing a PhD. So I read, um, I read a book this by- This peak nerd, Joy. I know. Like this- <laughs> I know. It's been really funny. My brother lately has been like, are you a nerd? And I'm like, I don't know. Yes, I am yes. almost done with a PhD. I've been very young. And, like I don't I'm know. I'm reading physics just for kicks, like a bit of light reading. <laughs> like it's a very Hermione move, I guess. Um, but I remember being learning about oh, what's it called? Entanglement. Have you ever heard of this phrase? Mm-mm. Okay, so it's that two particles can be in no way like actually connected physically, but they can correspond to each other exactly, no matter how many miles you put them apart. Mm. And um, and I remember thinking when I read that, I was like, I feel like that about the people I love. Like, I will sometimes um, be somewhere and just, like, feel worried about a family member. And I've had this happen before. And then call them, and it will have been, like, because I needed to be worried about. 
And, mm-hmm. um, and I think that um, there's something, there's more in the world that's connected. And I think that love and attachment to people, um, maybe that's a real thing. And I love that Madeline Lingle kind of depicts that both with Charles Wallace and his ability to kind of know and love Meg. Um, but then even kind of the growing sense of Calvin knowing that he needed to go and he needed to be there. And mm-hmm. to me, that's, uh, I was thinking of entanglement and it was like the particles were, you know, a million miles away, but they were vibrating. So they knew they needed to get wherever the other ones were. And mm-hmm. um, I love the way that Madeline Lingle kind of makes that imag- imagination possible for us. And I don't know, superstitiously, I definitely believe it's true. I don't have any like definite beliefs on it. I just am like, yeah, I think no, that's right. I think that's. I mean, I think probably everyone can think of a time yes. where something like that happened. Like yeah. one time we were traveling, and we were going to travel at night because Benjamin was a baby, mm-hmm. and we got into a car accident. And everybody was okay. Yeah, like every everybody walked away without a scratch. Mm-hmm. But my mom couldn't sleep that night and she mm-hmm. just was up the whole night praying and she just knew something was not right. Like yeah. that we were in danger, like something was happening. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, that is a real thing. And even Fortinbras yes. like seems to kind of do that. And it makes me think about Dog Monday from Rilla of Ingleside, yes. who is able to know what's happening even to the sons who are off to war. Yes. Um, he has this connection and is waiting for them and knows if they're safe or not. Yeah. Um, and like, you just hear weird stuff about pets sometimes. You know, I think yeah. that we don't know why this happens. Yeah. And sometimes surely it's superstitious or sometimes it's just, you know, by chance. But Mrs. Murray is open to these kinds of things. Yes. I think be- partly because she's a scientist I and know. understands that there's so much that we don't know. I know. And I love that. That's what I love about Mrs. Murray's character. And kind of, I think that's a central theme of the whole book is this kind of like, if you're really open to the universe and physics, you realize that there's so much we don't understand and there's so much that's connected. And so why would you not be open and in a position of wonder to these things that don't seem scientific, but you know what I mean? Like, I think that's mm-hmm. what I love about her character. Also, um, I've been reading uh, just at nights so every once in a while. There's a little book by Madeline Lingle. I think it's called The Bright Evening Star, and it's on the incarnation. And she wrote it when she was, I think, in her 80s. And so it's kind of like near the end of her life. And it'll just be interspersed with like, she'll write a while and then it'll pause. And then she'll just have like a prayer to Jesus. And then it'll go on and it'll have paragraphs and paragraphs. So it's this very sweet, personal one. But she has this whole part where she writes about... Um, I don't remember why she was writing about this, but about her pets throughout life. And she was like, sometimes I've just felt like pets were ministers of God's love to me. And like, I would, uh-huh. and I feel like that's so true. Just experientially, like there's something so good about God's creatures. He didn't make them for nothing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she, Great Franciscan. I know, I know. Um, it was, yeah, but, uh, she talks about that. She talks about how she always kind of trusted her dogs to, um, like, if if they if they growled at a place, she wouldn't stay there. Um, but I, that's a funny thing to see how she incorporates that into the book as well, as they're they're kind of they're also barometers of of the goodness mm-hmm. or badness of the world. And yeah, I to- I so I am a dog person, but not a pets are the same as children yes, person. Same. You know, like there's yeah. like a happy medium there. Yes. Um, but we had been. <laughs> 
in the thick of lots of babies, mm-hmm. had not had a dog for a long time. And then I really wanted a dog and I'd been trying to figure out what's a good kind of dog to have with small children mm-hmm. who's going to be safe. I don't think I'm up for a puppy. Yeah. And so I narrowed it down that I wanted a two-year-old golden doodle, but they were too expensive. Yeah. And so it was just kind of on hold, but it was just this like little desire of my heart that I had so many blessings and I, but I just really wanted a dog too. <laughs> and then one of Daniel's coworkers came up to him and was like, do you want a two-year-old golden doodle? And he was oh just like, gosh. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and they were like, we have this dog because he was abandoned and we oh. nursed him back to health, but we can't keep him because we have too many pets. And he was like, well, yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. That's exactly the dog my wife has been looking for. Oh. And so it just like was this little thing. Yeah. But I felt like it was Jesus just being like, every desire of your heart matters to me. Yeah. You don't always get everything you want because that's not how, that's not my good plan for you. But I just want you to know that, this that it thing. matters yeah. and I'm going to get you this dog. You know, like and it was just really special. So Aww. was that I think Olaf? Like that, happened. that was Olaf. He was Aww. a good boy. He Aww. met a sad demise last oh. year, but he was a very good boy and just and a, gift. a sweetheart. Just yeah. a gift. Yeah, I would watch him trotting around. He loved me the most and he would follow <laughs> me around all day. And I would watch him trot around. I just felt like it, he's such a delight. Like he gives glory to God. Because just by he's existing. Doing just what a dog should. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a good thing. I know. I was thinking about that this morning. My mom and I got up early and walked in this little remote trail on the other side of the mountain. And Darcy was just like, our dog was just like tearing through the fields and she would see squirrels and she gets so excited. And then she just like, uh, this afternoon I was reading and she was just sitting under my bench and she's just so like loving and happy. And I was just thinking, it is so good that she exists in the world and that just her existing and being this little golden bullet of love is, is a testimony to there being goodness that God created in all of creation, you know? And I think that's what I like so much about Madeline Lingle is she kind of makes you conspiratorial about God's presence (laughs) in the world. Do you know what I mean? You kind of go, Maybe it's also in Fortinbras. <gasps> Maybe it's also in friendship and the connections, the way we love our families. And um, mm-hmm. yes, so yeah, I love that. And and I love pets. And I think God does too because he made them. Mm-hmm. They're great. Yeah. <sighs> yes. And I actually read the first couple of chapters to my kids last night. Oh. Because they, like some of the, I guess Benjamin's read it. But I don't think the girls have. Mm-hmm. And so it was really actually my seven year old heard me listening to your episode with your uh-huh. mom. And she was like, what book are they talking about? Oh. I want to read this book. So we oh. read a couple of chapters and they were fully what? engrossed, gratifyingly. Engrossed oh, good. What did they story. make of it? What did they make of it? Do they like? They're they're into it. Um Mrs. What's it dresses like my seven year old. Like, I mean, not, not necessarily now, but as a toddler, we, so there's our general view of parenting is like, pick your battles. (laughs) If your child wants to dress like Mrs. What's it. So what, you know, that's a choice that they can make. We have rules for other things, but maybe not this. I wore a pink tutu from three to four. And that was just, yeah. that was my outfit. I think my mom yeah. has it in a box somewhere. Because um, that was the only thing I was happy to wear. 
So just, you know, a lot of scarves and lots of accessories. Scarves, hats, sunglasses, bows, just so much going on. And Daniel and I have always said, she looks like Mrs. What's-It. Is that okay? (laughs) I guess it's okay. Um, But yeah, I think that they were really liking it. Mm. They didn't understand why Charles has so many, like, first first names. Charles Wallace. That was a question. Charles Wallace. (laughs) It is Um, an auspicious name. Yeah, it's it's pretty intense. Yeah. Like, it's almost cruel. Yeah, to think of a child. It's a little bit like Clarence used to scrub. You're yeah. You're like, who looks at a baby and is like, that's that's what I should name this baby. <laughs> I always think that, and I won't come up with any options, because if I did, someone listening to your podcast would be like, that's my lovely child's name. Yep. You know, but sometimes Daniel and I will just hear about a baby's name and imagine you're looking at your newborn and you're saying, look, it's so-and-so. Clarence and it's just, used to scrub. Yeah, yeah. it's Clarence. Ba- sweet little baby Clarence. And you just... Yeah, I know. Name, hard to get into. It's hard to get into. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, Haley, what do you think's coming? What are What is this portent? What is Mrs. Goodness. What's It Mrs. Who building towards? Oh, it's so exciting. Mystery. Mystery. We're building towards mystery, and it's right around the corner. I love how, because I I did reread into the third chapter, I won't spoil it, but it's almost like she lulls you into complacency with some domestic scenes before throwing a wrench into everything. Yes. And and it's kind of of delightful. You almost don't see it coming. I know it doesn't, and then you kind of get to the end of the chapter, and then you're like, oh no, I have to keep reading because she does good little cliffhangers. I have a feeling it will have something to do with the, with the father who's disappeared. But Mrs. Murray. I think you, I think you may be right, Joy. I think you're on to something. And you know, I think that Meg has a lot of faith in Mrs. Murray um, and her belief that her father's out there somewhere, so I think I have faith too. Mrs. Murray is goals. She really like, is. As I was, re- I don't think I've read it as a parent. Mm hmm. And I was like, wow, I'm really impressed. She's really good. She's a really good mom. I know. She's good because she fights boundaries, but she loves them. And, yeah, she's great. I love Mrs. Murray. Well, She leaves lots of room for her kids. Yes. You know, lots of room for them to be. And she doesn't seem anxious. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes parents, my anxiety Mm -hmm. can feed into well, I need to push you in this direction or I need to yeah. push you in this direction. Yes, we need to be like forming our children's character and imaginations and everything, but it's so tempting to try to push them into something they're not. Yeah. And she doesn't do that. She leaves no. them room to grow the way they are designed to grow. And she seems so comfortable trusting that it will all work out. Yeah. And so I, she does. And I wonder if part of that's because maybe she was maybe she was an oddball like Meg, you know, and she, she can kind of trust. She just kind of trust the process. She's watching the experiment unfold with great wonder <laughs> and great love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been so much fun, Haley. Uh, tell people where they can find your stuff. And, um, sure. yeah. so you can find my blog at carrots for Michaelmas.com. Michaelmas is spelled like the name Michael M A S. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at Haley Carrots, which is a bit of an homage to Anne Shirley. And then um, the podcast that I do with Christy Isinger is called Fountains of Carrots. 
And you can find my book on Amazon or hopefully you have a hookup with a local bookshop yes. and you can go through them. Um, so it's called The Grace of Enough. Yes. This has been so much fun. I hope uh, you'll have to tell me if you end up finishing it, what your kids think at the end of everything. And well, thank you for coming on and talking about fun books with me. This is delightful. Thanks so much, Joy. It was a treat. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And make sure to go and leave your discussion comments on mainly it seems like the places people discuss most are on Instagram and Facebook. I'll put out a picture with two discussion questions. So go on there and uh, put all of your thoughts and your questions and engage with each other. That's the funnest part for me is releasing this and then watching everybody else go on and share their thoughts. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And join me next week for Chapter 3. Mm-hmm.